It's been observed that 2020 saw enterprises accelerate cloud adoption in part to support the unexpected remote working exodus that happened as a result of the pandemic. Some CIOs we spoke to here at Future CIO noted, however, that the cloudification of legacy enterprise applications is going to take a slower route. Uh, with us today is Pat Fellam, VP of Market Research at Rimini Street, to shed light on the options available to CIOs as they plan their cloud strategy post-COVID-19 pandemic. Pat, welcome to Podcast for Future CIO. Thank you so much. How has the pandemic impacted the roles of CIO? The pandemic itself, or any crisis, can put a company into one of three kinds of modes. There's the survive, and then there's stabilizing, and then there's thriving, so a bit of a continuum. And the CIO roles are a little different depending on where you are along that journey. The CIO role really has never been set in stone, but for a long time, it was all about keeping technology lights on and and keeping costs down as best you can. The pandemic has changed that because cost containment had to take a back burner a bit for and, and been replaced by survival sorts of investments. And then as we got through that into more of a stabilizing mode, now organizations, business leaders are pushing CIOs to be more strategic in terms of helping prioritize where the money should be spent, not so much on, I mean, you have to keep the lights on, but not so much on unneeded application refreshes or those kinds of things, but on investments in a digital strategy that's going to help organizations get through their stabilized and thriving growth, if you will, modes. So, Another side of that is in the past, the CIO's role was oftentimes a big implementation or a big center of excellence sort of focus to some kind of enterprise application suite. That, of course, you have your back office applications, but now the role is not so much giving my transaction system as it is how can you use technology to enable our changes in the business model. So CIOs have to step out of their technology comfort zone and think strategically with their CEO, CFOs. Part of that, of course, there's innovation in there, but part of that is focusing on new technology strategies that can help with customer engagement or attracting new customers, retaining the ones you have, and things that will drive revenue rather than things that will keep the business running. Another perspective of that is that in the past, IT control was very definitely in the CIO's hand. And then over time, as cloud started to trickle in, shadow IT began to push technology decisions out into the business. Business-driven technology strategies were sometimes successful, sometimes not so much. And now we're seeing a marrying back up of the CIO and the CE level or the CF levels to actually prioritize investments so that the business needs are met, number one, and the vendor's product roadmaps become less of a driver in terms of where IT is going to spend their money. And then finally, along that line, most CIOs believe they're in control of their IT roadmaps, but there is an awful lot of pressure from, at least from the application vendors, to adhere to those vendors' technology stacks and roadmaps. And those kinds of, we call those vendor-dictated changes, can just um, shortcut or or sideline any sort of business-driven investment that your C-levels want to make. So CIOs are having to rethink their approach to planning their IT investments, taking less of a vendor-driven approach 
approach and more of a business-driven approach. So the role has changed a bit uh, in the last, and pandemic drove some of that. But I think also businesses needing to stay on the digital journey has driven it as well. You mentioned this role of the CIOs having to look at customer experience or customer engagement, right? Making sure the customer is happy, that sort of thing. So something that's traditionally been more the role of the CMO or the sales and marketing side of the business. Given that generally speaking, the CIO has no experience in that area, that customer engagement, how does the CIO play in that? I mean, can a CIO be effective in helping achieve this customer engagement, customer centricity that the sales and marketing side wants to achieve, uh, given his background is more of an internal type of person, somebody who builds things for the organization? That's a great question. Interestingly enough, many CIOs today are coming out of the business. They're not necessarily um, technology uh, grown. Um, So that's something interesting we've seen over the last maybe seven years or so. And the other side of this, when you look at operation systems where sales is kind of up there in the operation side versus um, administrative systems where you see your big enterprise applications like ERP app, the CIOs coming from the technology background have always been more comfortable in the administrative application space. But what we're seeing is them having to step up and become that strategic partner with their business counterparts over in maybe it's marketing, maybe it's sales, who knows where it is, and provide the digital expertise, not necessarily the business process of uh, making a sale expertise, but partnering with the business leaders so that as the leaders are saying, here's my business model that I'm trying to get to, and then the CIO can layer into that, well, here's the digital or the technology enablement that's going to help that happen. So I would not expect a CIO to be a marketing expert, but we are seeing a lot more partnering in that kind of decision-making about, you know, where are we going to use technology, and the CIOs are having to step up and come to the table and bring their digital bag of tricks to be able to, to have that conversation with the business leaders as they change their model. You mentioned just a while ago about shadow IT, the growth of it. And we have observed it here, especially in the region of China, for example. It's uh, shadow IT has ballooned dramatically in the last couple of years. But at the same time, uh, this region historically has had a very strong install base for ERP systems. As you note, uh, 2020 saw budgets uh, decline, priorities moved around, maybe less so on ERP. And this is a comment we received some from some CIPOs that the ERP strategy is being slowed down, if you will, in favor of uh, the more customer-facing elements of the business, just at least in the interim when revenue is unpredictable. As a CIO, where you again mentioned right at the beginning, keeping the lights on is one of the priorities of the CIO. How does then the CIO balance this? uh, We have this growing shadow IT, we need to somehow support them. And at the same time, we still have these legacy systems that we have in place that have been around for a long time, and we need to keep them running at the same time. Should one fall back in, in favor of the other, or can the CIO run both of them at the same time? Well, there's a lot to unpack in that. And two themes come to mind. One is the shadow IT. How does the CIO not control it, but survive it, I guess, and thrive with it. And the other is how do you prioritize investments when you have to keep the lights on and yet you're getting increased demand from the business to spend in, say, operational areas. CIOs have to become stringent, rigorous, religious about prioritizing everything right now. And we have to look for areas to create budget rather than consume budget. And one of the reasons that people talk to Ramini Street, just a little plug here, is that what 
organizations like us do is we help the CIO create budget by reducing cost and optimizing the spend on the keep the lights on. So as a CIO, as you're looking at helping to find budget to fund innovation or digitalization, one of the biggest ways to do that is to optimize your costs on keeping your lights on solution sets. So that's part of that. Now, the shadow IT piece of this, a savvy CIO is not going to fight this battle head to head because the business is the one that has usually the biggest purse strings. And if they want something technology wise and the CIO is, is pushing back against that, you know, they can find budget. And then if it's not done well, shadow IT creates a spaghetti bowl of, of something that has to be maintained. They look at IT to maintain it. And the CIO says, I didn't help you buy it. I didn't help you implement it. How can you expect me to maintain it? So the strategy that we're seeing is that the CIOs are helping the business evolve to the point where shadow IT, it doesn't become a shadow anymore, but be effective extensions of IT and that they operate within a, let's say, framework, but a set of guiding principles so that whatever they're doing over there in the business, if IT needs to help integrate it, support it, fix the breakage or whatever of it, that there's this partnership again instead of an adversarial relationship. So two thoughts there that came out of your question. I'm not sure if I caught everything that you were asking. Caught it very well. Thank you very much. Uh, if I step back a bit and go go back to this ERP story, as I said, ERP has been with us for a long time, at least in this part world. What are the considerations that businesses need to do to improve their ERP strategy given the constraints that we have today? Rethinking ERP strategy is very much top of mind right now um, in almost every organization because of, of the pandemic, but also because of the additional phenomena, which is this explosive digital drive that's happening. And what's happening is is it's all creating, I'll call it a hybrid world, a hybrid environment where a CIO has some on-premise or non-cloud, if you will, um, solutions and applications. And then, of course, they got their whole cloud component whether it's public, private, multi-cloud, or whatever. And so what we're finding is that a traditional ERP strategy, upgrade every 24 months or upgrade every five years or apply patches as they come in or never apply your security patches, whatever that strategy is, is having to be rethought from the foundation that what you're doing in ERP may impact or be impacted by your hybrid in IT environment that's being created by a move to the cloud. It's being impacted by the fact that budgets for keep the lights on upgrades and updates and patches may need to be shrunk. So to prepare, and, and who knows when the next unfortunate event is going to happen, the global dynamics that we have right now. So what we're finding is that CIOs, IT issues are being elevated more to a boardroom level discussion than they ever were before. And I don't mean every little patch and, and update, but the kinds of investments that IT is making, the big ones, are becoming part of that board level discussion rather than just the IT budget for the year. So that's one piece of that. Another piece I mentioned earlier about the vendor driven strategies, another change in ERP strategies that we're seeing is that where the ERP vendors are pushing really hard for their new products, go to the cloud, go to 
S4HANA, go to Oracle's cloud products, you pick what they are. Moving to ERP to the cloud or some kind of rip and replace of your ERP system is not a game changer in, in almost every company out there. Posting journal entries are posting journal entries, the, whether you do them on your current system or some other one. There's no business advantage to replacing the way you do that. And I'm speaking generally, but to give a paint a picture. So typically what we're finding is um, as the vendors are driving these continual upgrades and patches, the vendors are the ones benefiting from those ERP changes or the moving core ERP functionality to the cloud or to another product or upgrading these very mature systems. So what we're seeing um, CIOs do is they're rethinking that strategy of always being on the most current release or the current patch and they're stepping back and saying, well, wait a minute, it's not broken. Why do I have to keep fixing it? Let me go fix something that the business needs more than me just making sure that I can keep my maintenance agreement current with my ERP vendor. So that strategy shift is also happening. One of the things that we see a lot is that vendors are pushing the next, the ERP equality in the cloud. And personally, I haven't seen it. Yes, you know, finance is getting pretty reasonably comparable cloud products to non-cloud products. But think about the years and years that software vendors spent customizing their products for industry verticals and, and unique compliance requirements. And then the companies who bought those products further customized them. Those kinds of solutions may never be totally replaced in the cloud. So if you're a company that's going to go cloud first or cloud only, that may end up being except for ERP. And what you may find is your definition of ERP shrinks. I mean, people used to throw everything but the kitchen sink into ERP. So de definition of what's inside the scope of ERP may shrink. And that ball, if you will, of, of functionality may not be the cloud first, the cloud only um, strategy. It maybe squeeze as much value out as we can out of our existing licenses that we spent so much money on. So I was saying, if it ain't broke, why fix it, right? <laughs> anyway. Well, and, and here's my passion. This is my soapbox. Until the business truly transforms the way that work gets done and the way that you account for it and the way that you build it and, and logistically move whatever it is, the systems that support that work, there's nothing new there yet. So when that new happens, then it'll be time to really step back and say, okay, is ERP no longer really ERP for us anymore? Do we need systems that enable business capabilities? Do we need our enterprise level systems to do something differently because the way we do our work is different? When that happens, I'll be really watching to see what sort of new functionality comes out and new technical whiz bang comes out to support the business in a different way. Let me move a little bit sideways around. Okay, you mentioned these software purchases that have been placed over the years, the licenses, they're quite significant, right? Even the, the maintenance cost is quite significant. From the backdrop of that, if we move to the cloud, theoretically, the issue of maintenance may go down, at least on the hardware side, because it's somebody else's hardware that's running off. But from a CIO perspective, keeping the lights on, is there really a difference between maintaining a system on-prem versus maintaining it in the cloud or is even operating hybrid, which is what, what we're seeing now. There, there's a lot more organizations moving towards this hybrid model. And what about all of these so-called new innovations like AI and uh, machine learning? Will they help in the maintaining of these things and keeping the lights on as, as you will? 
This is my observation, having done some analysis of projected costs. And what we found was, and I'll just, I'm picking on SAP here, but because that's who we did the analysis with, it's it's not, this is not an SAP only problem, was we found that when you look at licenses plus maintenance fees, and you compare that to subscriptions plus the maintenance that's involved in that, and the penalties and the overages or the underages that you may have to pay if you overuse or underuse, you can be penalized there. When you step back and look at that, you're not saving money by moving to the cloud that application set. And the software vendors themselves are on record numerous times saying, we expect to make more money from our customers when they go to the cloud. So cost-wise, it's not a cost decision when you take something like an enterprise application to the cloud. It needs to be a strategic decision to take certain pieces of functionality. Now, from an infrastructure, the platform piece of it, absolutely. Then, And that's going to the cloud makes sense in some cases. And infrastructure in the cloud, is there is a very clear cost advantage and resource advantage and performance advantage by putting your, your infrastructure in the cloud, taking that data center and getting rid of it, letting somebody else to worry about it and evolve it and keep it modern. So that depending on whether you're asking about applications or infrastructure, the answer is different. To just take that one step further, the AI, the advanced big data, the things that you can do in the cloud that are not necessarily what we would put in that definitional scope of transaction-oriented ERP that I mentioned earlier, those kinds of capabilities, I'm not saying they're cheap because to set up an AI rule set to put together all of the uh, analytics that you would be using with your big data for, there's cost involved in the creating and the defining and the design, if you will, and then the maintaining. But because those applications were built to be cloud native, to be to be digital, if you will, and because they are bringing whole new capability to enterprise applications, you know, the cost to build that sort of thing in an on-premise or even mainframe-oriented environment, the cloud tools are so much faster once you get past the design. And the maintenance and the changes, they were built to be changed quickly. So from that cost perspective, when I say use applications as a service where it makes sense, your cost impact of the, the new capabilities being in the cloud can be much more attractive because it was the tools that are provided to build and maintain it, you know, they're built for purpose, not like trying to plug something like that into a tightly integrated ERP application where changing one little switch can cause you to have tons and tons of unexpected impact. As the CIO starts planning the IT roadmap into the future, hoping for a really a post-pandemic situation, what are the signs that they need to look out for in terms of both the global, uh, I mean, totally, both on the workforce side, the human side of the business of operating IT, as well as on the technology front? Things to look out for, any sort of disruptive technology, like looking backwards here, mobile was. The cloud, of course, is. Um, any sort of technology that accelerates the way work happens or accelerates the, the flow of business, things like AI and blockchain would come in that category. Those kinds of things that are capturing people's imaginations today create disruption. So any sort of disruption, creative, creating kind of change would be something I would keep my eye on because controlling the amount of disruption that happens all at once and the length that the disruption happens and the breadth, you know, where what all is being disrupted by this? Does it hit ERP? 
does it not? Is it an HR impact? Is it not? The, so the scope of the disruption, the amount of them happening at the same time, how long they're going to happen, those are the kind of things that as a CIO I would be asking about anytime my uh, business leaders want to take advantage of some sort of newer technology. So sign to look out for is how disruptive is it? How big, how long, how much? And then, um, you know, we really are in a new world order here. IT's options are becoming even, there's more out there and the options are changing frequently and quickly. So things to watch out for when you're making a, a cloud-based decision is, you know, in, in terms of what's going to be the organizational impact of investing in this and what happens if I have to change it next year or it changes frequently. And then from a budget and resources perspective, what does that do? to my overall draw on budget and resources, labor time budget. And then are there other initiatives out there that is this, where does this fall in the pecking order? As you're getting your requests from the business, because there's more options now, may start to increase. So having a real clear, I'll call it decision-making framework for what are we going to invest in and what order are we doing it? No longer can we be very informal about that. So watch out for many requests to invest start coming in and be sure that you have a mechanism in place to help people make the decision about what to do and what order to do it in. And then always ask, is this something that has to be done right now? So watch out for the urgent request that really isn't that urgent. Lately, in the last couple of years with digital transformation, we've been hearing a lot more talk about allowing projects to fail, fail fast and learn from them, hopefully. What's your view on that? Does it really work? I mean, especially these days when you have limited IT budgets, your resources are kind of constrained. We're going all over the place. Can the CIO still allow for this experimentation model, given that the CFO is saying, well, hang on, you, you only have a limited set of budgets and I need you to push forward some of these areas, some you'll have to fall back or look for, I should say, look for money to pay for these things. I'm going to give you the realistic, the, the, the school of hard, uh, hard tough love. <laughs> yeah, tough love. In many organizations, it is a, I'm not going to say pipe dream because that makes it sound like it's not really ever going to happen. It's aspirational. You know, you can't become, truly become an agile organization unless both the business and IT get on board. You can't have the IT saying, we're going to become, you know, we're going to create an agile shop and this is how we're going to take requests from you, Mr business and we're going to create rapidly to the least viable product and you're going to have to live with that and you can't and then businesses on the other side saying well no i'm not going to live with that i'm not knocking agile and i'm not knocking you know operating at the speed of business but in order to set up the mindset that it's okay to fail there's more to it than that <laughs> the organizational change and the organizational impact of going to that kind of shop really does require transformation from both the business and IT is not going to succeed if only one of one half of the, uh, the the company gets on board with it. So I'm not knocking it, but it is easy to say, and it's a lot harder to do. We started to talk about the cloudification of enterprise or, or businesses. I mean, as an enterprise, as a CIO, weigh in the options available to them. What would be the best, can I say, best of both worlds to have, both from the point of view of supporting the business directions of the organization, but at the same time keeping the lights on? Is cloud the, the best and only story for the near future for a lot of these uh, enterprises? So what's your advice to the CIO? Well, I think I had mentioned use use cloud where it makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
where it gives you an advantage or where it improves your position. Don't move something to the cloud for cloud's sake, like ERP, but at the same time, look for ways to optimize, reduce complexity and cost so that you can have, I mean, the best of both, both worlds are going to be here for a while. That's just the reality. The hybrid environment, we don't see an end in sight to that yet for most companies. So reducing complexity and cost as you introduce cloud solutions that can level up your complexity, deferring things like upgrades and refreshes, migrations where they're sucking budget away for very little value, and then looking for your investment opportunities where it's really driven by the business. So optimize, reduce complexity, and prioritize in your investment strategy. Those three basics should provide a good solid foundation for balance. Very last question. How does Rimini and your role in terms of the head of research fit into all of this direction that you're recommending? Romini Street fits in a couple of different ways. You know, we're a, a public company. We were founded in 2005. We've got some almost 4,000 clients around the world. Many of those clients originally came to us for part one of what we do, which is getting control over the cost and the resources of keeping the lights on. So reducing your overall spend with your software vendor and getting better quality um, support and maintenance service for applications and database. That's part one. The the critical shift we made a few years ago was part two, which is starting to help organizations think strategically about their investments in the cloud and managing services instead of being a ticket task-oriented IT shop. So part two is, is helping organizations make that strategic move through the hybrid environment as they go down their digital roadmap. We can do that because in companies where we're already in tune with what they're doing in the back end of tackling the technical maintenance and support. So two things that we do, obviously we lower costs and help you optimize and reduce complexity. But the second thing is helping with that strategic road mapping of where you're going to take your application portfolio into the future. Pat, thank you for joining me on Podchats for Future CIO. It's my pleasure. I appreciate it. That was Pat Fellum, Vice President, Market Research for Rimini Street on the options available to CIOs as they plan their cloud strategy post-COVID-19 pandemic. You are listening into Podchats for Future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for our weekly free newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podchats for Future CIO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podchats for Future CIO. Bye for now.